Christian faith? What's the heart of Christianity, if you will? Well, the heart of Christianity, as we've talked about the last few weeks, is that through Jesus Christ, we get to have a relationship with God. In fact, last week we said that part of what God's will for our lives is that we remain relationally connected to Jesus on a daily basis. And we looked at a few different uh, ways, a few key ways we can cultivate that relationship with God. And we talked about one of them being talking to God, prayer. And today, that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about, is prayer. I want to challenge you today to spend time alone in prayer with your Heavenly Father. Spend time alone in prayer with your Heavenly Father. A few years ago, I was invited to play um, in a golf scramble. Anybody, any golfers in the room? All right, three or four, that's good. Uh, So I went to play golf, and I showed up at the golf course and um, uh, got to meet the guys I was going to be playing with, and I didn't know the guy that I was going to be in the cart with. And if you're a golfer, sometimes it's a little nerve-wracking when you don't know the guy you're going to be with, because quite frankly, you're going to be playing with him for four or five hours. You know, if they're annoying, you don't, that's not a good place to be for four or five hours. And so you're just kind of crossing your fingers, hoping that you got somebody that is fun to play with. And uh, so we get a few holes into the, into the round of golf. And sure, uh, oddly enough, strangely enough, as God would have it, this guy ended up uh, going to the same church that I went to, actually the same church that I was on staff at. And uh, so we struck up a fun conversation and I got to know him better. And he started to share with me his testimony. And he talked about how uh, his involvement at our church had transformed his life and transformed his marriage and transformed his family's life and how he never missed a Sunday and how he was actively involved in serving on the weekend and how he plugged into small groups. And he just talked about how much he loved the church. But I noticed something about 15, 15, 20, 25 minutes into the conversation. He never said anything about Jesus. And so the uh, second half of uh, the day, I kind of started praying and thinking to myself, you know, I wonder what this guy's relationship with God is like, because he's talked a lot about the church and how much it's impacted his life. He hasn't, touched much, he hasn't talked much about God. So I asked him, tell me about your relationship with God. And I specifically said, tell me about your prayer life. And where he had been excited and anxious to tell me and eager to share about all the good things that had happened in his life about his involvement in our church, when I asked that question, everything changed. His countenance changed. His tone changed. He actually literally hung his head and said these words, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we really struggle to pray. And I walked away from that day discouraged as a pastor. And I was discouraged because I thought, this guy uh, we would say, is knocking out of the park. This guy's winning because he talks how much about how much the church has changed his life. But when I asked him about his prayer life, he was, he was discouraged. And he felt like his prayer life wasn't vibrant and wasn't healthy. And so I kind of set my heart and my mind that day on mission that we were gonna, I was going to do everything I could in ministry to help people grow in prayer and to have healthy, vibrant, enjoyable prayer lives. So when I say prayer, what comes to mind? To some, for some of you, when I say prayer, you might think about uh, praying beside your bed when you were growing up. Uh, you kneel down and pray before bed. God, help me. Thank you so much for today. Help me be a good person. I'm sorry I lied to my parents or I'm sorry I kicked my brother or sister. Others of you, when you think about prayer, you may think about um, 
the church you grew up in and the role of prayer in, in that. I was raised in the Catholic Church, and uh, we had those kneelers. Anybody, anybody been in the Catholic Church? We had, yeah, you had those kneelers, which I thought were always cool, but then you actually got down on them, and they're like, they make you kneel on those things forever, and your knees start hurting. And Then I would think about confession, confession time. Oh, man, that was so nerve-wracking. You had to go in and sit in for a priest and confess your sins. And So I thought, gosh, that's not any fun. So maybe you think about, when you think about prayer, you think about, uh, you think about a word. Maybe you think about boring. Maybe you think, you know what, the truth is, uh, to me, my, my experience in prayer has been boring. Or maybe you think about confused because you think, you know, I don't know. Sometimes God answers prayer and sometimes God doesn't answer prayer. And if he knows all things, then why should I pray? There's a lot of questions revolve around prayer. Let me just simply say this. Prayer is not merely an activity or prayer is not merely a spiritual discipline. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. And Jesus himself modeled a lifestyle of prayer for us. That's in your notes today. It's one of the first notes we have for you is that Jesus himself modeled a lifestyle of prayer. In the Bible, we see that he had over 33 instances we see Jesus praying. He was praying at the start of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. He would pray before major ministry moments and after major ministry moments. He would pray to be encouraged and refreshed and renewed with the Father. He would pray to seek guidance and wisdom and direction on next steps for the ministry. And you know that of all the things the disciples asked Jesus to teach them, they didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to perform miracles or drive out demons. Of all the things, what they requested of Jesus was to teach them how to pray. In Luke 11, chapter 1, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, there are several obstacles, I think, for the average person when it comes to their prayer life. And we're going to address a few of those today. Jesus taught on prayer in multiple places. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6. Maybe use an app on your smartphone. That's where we're going to be. And today, um, we really want to help you learn how to pray, but today is just going to be kind of an introductory lesson, kind of a prayer 101. But I want to let you know that on Saturday, March 22nd, from 9 to 11.30, at the Noblesville campus, I'm going to teach a workshop on prayer. We're going to go much more in depth into some of the things I'm going to introduce today. So if you're interested, if something I say today sparks an interest in you, or you're hungry to grow in your prayer life, mark Saturday, March 22nd down on the calendar and join us at 9 o'clock over at the Noblesville campus. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. Let's read. Uh, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, Jesus said... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. There's a couple lessons I want us to pull out of this right off the bat. First... I want you to notice that Jesus says, uh, don't pray like the hypocrites. They only, play, they only pray in public. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to pray in private. And really what Jesus is emphasizing here when he says, when you pray, go into the room and close the door, he's telling us to spend time alone with God. If I were to take a poll right now and I were to ask you, when do you pray? My guess is most of us would say something like this. I pray um, on the car, in my car on the way to work in the morning. 
Or you might say, you know what, I pray before I go into an important meeting or conversation. I might quickly ask God for help. Or you might pray before meals. Or you might pray uh, just for a few minutes before t- bedtime. You, you would probably say, I pray at various times throughout the day. And that's really important. We talked about that last week. It's important to keep that ongoing dialogue with God throughout your day. However, if we look at the example of Jesus, what we're going to find is that Jesus, the heart of his prayer life, was spending time alone with his heavenly father. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus knew the value of spending time alone in prayer. He knew if he was going to have a close relationship with God... He was going to have to get away from all of the distractions and all of the noise, from all of the people and all of the stress, and he was going to have to spend time alone in prayer. And the same is true of us. If we really want to grow in our relationship with God, we're going to have to push away from the noise and the stress and the business of our life, and we're going to have to spend time alone with God. If we want to discover what's on God's heart and mind, if we want to live out God's will for our life, If we want God to give us wisdom and direction and guidance, we can't do that apart from spending time alone with Him. I mean, this is true of any relationship. If you want a good marriage, you got to spend time alone with your spouse. As a parent, if you want a good relationship with your child, you need to spend time with them. If you have a friend that you're trying to, a friendship that you're trying to develop, it doesn't happen apart from spending time alone with them. The same is true with the Lord. So, Here's what I want to do. My first challenge for you today is that you would set a prayer appointment. That you would set a prayer appointment. Now, what do I mean by that? I simply mean this, that we schedule our priorities in life. Isn't this true? If you have a doctor's appointment, you put it on the calendar. If you've got a meeting at work, it gets on the calendar. If you have a lunch date with a friend, it gets on your calendar. If you have a date with your spouse or you have a child's ball game or a play to attend, we schedule these things because they're important to us. My mom and dad um, are, visiting, uh, my, are visiting this weekend, and um, they're not here in their service. They're coming next service. But when I grew up, I played organized basketball, okay? And uh, I started playing organized basketball probably when I was like six or seven years old, and I played all, played all the way through high school until I graduated about 17 years old. That's 10, 11 years worth of organized basketball every year. And my dad was in the real estate business, and he he made his own schedule and set his own schedule. And he had one of those big old appointments books. This was before we had iPhones. How many of y'all had one of the big, bulky appointment books? Yes, that's right. Some of y'all still have them. Uh, But before the iPhone and before the smartphones, we had those big old appointment books. Well, here's what my dad would do. Every year at the beginning of the basketball season, when my schedule would come out, the schedule of games, he'd sit down at the kitchen table. I remember this vividly. He'd pull out my basketball schedule. He'd pull out his appointment book. He'd write in every one of my basketball games. And do you know, I am so proud and thankful to say that in 10, 11 years of organized basketball, my dad and my mom never missed one of my games. Not one. Do you know why? Because it was important to them. And they made it a priority. And they scheduled it. And I just want to tell you this morning, in a very similar way, I believe with my whole heart that your Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, has His appointment book open, if you will. And He's asking you, when can we spend some time alone? When can I get some one-on-one time with you? So pick so pick, a more, pick some time during your week. Pick one morning a week. Get up 30 minutes earlier. 
and spend time praying. Choose one day a week and set aside your lunch hour to pray. Find one evening a week. And maybe instead of watching uh, one of your favorite TV shows, you say, you know what, I'm going to spend this 30 minutes and I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time alone with my Heavenly Father. Regardless of when you choose it, choose right now, today, when you, before you go home. Choose one or two times in the next week when you're going to say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to spend some time alone with my Heavenly Father. Now, an important suggestion. It says that Jesus withdrew to lonely Another verse says he went away to solitary places to pray. You got to get away from the noise. You got to find a quiet place away from the TV, away from the computer, away from the kids. You may literally have to go into the room and close the door and spend some time praying. Now, the second lesson I think Jesus gives us here in Matthew 6, 6. Let's read it again. Matthew 6, 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your who? Father. This is real key in his lesson on prayer. He says, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Listen, your view of God determines how you relate to God. And we could talk at length about how having a faulty view of God negatively affects your level of interest and really your desire to spend time alone with God. But let me simply say this, that if you're a Christian, and if you put your faith and your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and if you've submitted to him as the Lord of your life, then you've been adopted as God's child. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And being adopted, you can now relate to God as Father. Jesus is saying to the disciples, listen, when it comes to prayer and it comes to spending time with God, a key lesson you must realize is that you're relating to God as Father, and that your Heavenly Father delights in you, and that God is excited to spend time alone with you. One of my favorite things to do these days is to go to Trader Joe's on Saturday afternoon with my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Now, I take her with me, and she gets so excited, and I say, hey, honey, you want to go to Trader Joe's? She says, yay, yay. She's like, let's go to Trader Joe's. And she gets so excited about going to Trader Joe's, and you have to find, I don't know if you you ever go to Trader Joe's, but they have this little monkey hidden in the store, and that if you find it, if you're a little kid, you find it, and you get a little snack. And she loves helping. They have like little kids' carts that you can push around, and she'll push the little kids' carts around, and she'll think she's helping me shop. She loves going because she loves the shopping experience and so forth. Why do I love taking her with me? Because I need her help. In fact, she slows me down. I take her with me because I want to spend time with her. And the truth is, for most of us, we don't realize that our Heavenly Father loves us and just wants to spend time with us. J.I. Packer uh, is an author of a book called Knowing God. I love the way he puts this. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and his prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity well at all. Set a prayer appointment and spend time alone with your heavenly father. Okay, I think one of the biggest obstacles that comes to praying is that people just don't know how. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We've been told our whole lives to spend time in prayer, but quite frankly, we sit down to pray and we go, what am I supposed to say? Like, what's supposed to happen here? Well, Jesus addresses that. He's going to give us kind of three basic types of prayers or things to talk to the Lord about when we pray. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 6. 
Read verse 9 with me. He says, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. He starts out, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pause right here. Let's look at this first, first phrase. The first basic type of prayer that Jesus introduces for us is prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration. You can write that down in your notes. And you may ask, okay, well, what does that mean? What is a prayer of adoration? Well, a simple definition is this. A prayer of adoration is giving thanks and praise to God. It's giving thanks and praise to God. When we enter into the presence of God, when we first begin to pray, you should start out your prayer time by simply giving thanks and praise. That's what this, pray, this phrase, hallowed be your name, it essentially means recognizing who God is and acknowledging all that God has done for us. And so when I sit down uh, to pray, I will almost always begin by saying something like this. Father, I love you and I want to spend time with you right now. You created me. Your word says in Psalm 139 that you knit me together. Thank you, Father, for loving me so much. Thank you so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Thank you that you've adopted me as your child. God, you've blessed me so much. Thanks for all the love and the grace and the mercy you have shown me. So regardless of what's going on in your life, when you sit down to pray, you can pray something like this. You can give God thanks and praise because all of these things are true. Now, you can also give thanks and praise based on your current circumstances. And so you might simply say, um, Lord, thanks for being uh, for blessing me with this job, or thanks for blessing me with this relationship, or thanks for giving me this opportunity. You know, praising God is simply complimenting God. Everybody loves a compliment. I mean, don't you love a compliment? Who doesn't like a good, sincere compliment? Well, the Lord does too. So compliment Him. If He's compassionate and gracious to you, tell Him. If He's forgiving to you, tell Him. If He has shown Himself to be uh, trustworthy or faithful to you, then Tell him. The character traits that God demonstrates on our lives on a daily basis, we should compliment God and thank him for those things. So prayers of adoration is the first type of prayer that Jesus introduces to us. Now let's look back at Matthew chapter 6. Let's see what the next one is. Let's read verse 10. Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in the second phrase, Jesus is introducing what we would call prayers of intercession. Like, well, what's that? Well, a prayer of intercession is simply inviting God's will into our world. It's inviting God's will into our world. We pray that God's will and that his kingdom plans would be done in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Intercession is standing in the gap, if you will, for the people in our lives. It's praying to God on their behalf. If you love someone, you want what's best for them, don't you? And praying for someone is asking God to fulfill his best plans for their life. Now, so often when we pray for our spouse or our kids or a friend or neighbor, what do we typically pray about? We typically pray about health. That's usually almost always the first thing we pray about. We ask God to bless them with good health. We pray for protection. We may pray for finances, we may pray for jobs or strained relationships, we may pray for important decisions to make, and while these are all important and valuable prayers, and God tells us to bring all of our cares and concerns to Him, can I tell you, can I tell you something, can I point something out to you? Most of our prayers are really about worldly matters and not spiritual matters. Most of our prayers are not 
really kingdom-minded prayers. In fact, most of the prayers we find in the Bible are about spiritual matters. Spiritual matters, they're not about earthly matters. And what I mean by that is praying according to kingdom-minded values. And the Apostle Paul is the best example for this. In Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul basically prays on behalf of other believers. He says, help them to know God better. Help them to know God better. So here's what that might look like. Father, help my wife to know you better. Help my wife to grow in her relationship with you. In Ephesians 3, Paul prays that people would experience the fullness of God's love. Father, help my, help my daughter to better understand how much you love her. Help her to relate to you as her heavenly father. In Colossians 1, we find Paul praying that people will understand God's will for their lives and and praying that they will live a life pleasing to the Lord, a life that bears fruit. So, Father, help my friend Steve Wallen understand your will for his life. Father, he needs so much help. (laughs) So we can pray about, when we pray about other people, I want to challenge you to follow Jesus' model here and his example and pray. Oh, Steve's in the room. I didn't realize that. Pray for kingdom-minded things. Pray for the things that Paul prayed for. Pray for people's relationship with God. Pray that they would bear fruit. Pray that their lives would bring God glory. Pray about spiritual matters more than earthly matters. Well, okay. So the first type of prayer we, we see Jesus introduce is prayers of adoration. The second type of prayer is prayers of intercession. And the third type of prayer we find in Matthew 6 is in verse 11 through 13. Jesus says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there are a few different aspects to this passage of Scripture, but basically what Jesus is introducing is prayers of petition. Prayers of petitions, the third type of prayer that Jesus introduces. Now, let me give you a basic definition for that. A prayer of petition is simply asking God for help in providing for our needs. And notice how each of those phrases begins. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Petitionary prayer is asking God for help. It's asking God to meet your physical needs. It's asking God for forgiveness. It's asking God for guidance. Your heavenly Father cares about your spiritual, relational, physical, emotional, and financial needs. And God wants to provide for you. And we must learn, as we talked about last week, total dependence on God. We must learn to depend on God to meet our needs. A pastor friend of mine from Kenya says, we struggle with this in America. He says, you guys use credit cards instead of depending on God to provide for you. He says, don't you realize, I love this quote, he says, don't you realize that it is the glory of a father to provide for his children. When God provides for us, it brings him glory. So make a list of your current needs and begin asking the Lord to meet some of those needs. Do you have some financial needs? Write a specific prayer down, asking God for help. Do you have uh, a decision to make that you need some guidance? Write it down, ask God for help. Are you struggling with some sin in your life that you need some forgiveness and some freedom and some healing from. Ask God to help you experience that. Author Richard Foster says, God delights in our asking. He is pleased in our asking. In a childlike expression of faith, we bring our daily needs and desires to our Heavenly Father. So, prayer basically has two objectives. One, 
intimacy and fellowship with your heavenly Father. And two, we get to partner with God and invite him into the kingdom work. I want you to imagine with me what would happen if Genesis Church, if everybody in this room took this challenge to heart, and if you started spending time alone with your heavenly Father on a consistent basis. Imagine what would happen to your personal life and the joy you would experience in your relationship with God, the wisdom that you would gain, the freedom, the peace, the, joy, the patience, the kindness, the goodness. All of the fruits of the Spirit that we talked about last week would come, from, come out of you in your personal life. Imagine what would happen to your marriage. Imagine what would happen to your family. Imagine what would happen to our schools. Imagine if Genesis Church said, you know what, we're going to be a people who spends time with our Heavenly Father and we're going to pray And we're going to pray about kingdom matters and spiritual matters. We're going to pray for our families and our children. We're going to pray for our students. We're going to pray for our neighbors and our coworkers. We're going to pray for Hamilton County. Imagine what God could do in this church and through this church if we would be a people who would set a prayer appointment and spend time with our Heavenly Father. We're going to take just a minute here, and we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to walk you through just real quickly... Um, some personal prayers. So if you would, if you bow your head and close your eyes as the worship team comes out, I'm going to lead us through some prayer time. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that through him we have relationship with you. We just thank you for the reminder that you've given us over the last few weeks that God, Christianity is all about relationship with you. Father, we want to take just a minute and give you thanks and praise. So right now, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed, I just want, to, I just want you to take a quick second, and I want you to think about something in your life right now that you're thankful for. And I just want you to take a minute and thank God. And I want you to take um, I want you to take a minute. I want you to think of somebody. Think of one person. Maybe it's a maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, a parent, a neighbor. I want you to pray for them. And I want you to pray specifically that they would grow in their relationship with God. I want you to think about a need you have right now in your life. Just identify one need. One thing that's on your plate, on your agenda. It's been a topic of conversation maybe at the dinner table with your family in the recent days or weeks. What's one need? I want you to ask God to help meet that need. Father, we, um, I just believe that you are inviting this church to come to you and spend time alone with you in the place of prayer. 
God, would you help us follow through? Would you help us hear that invitation? And would you help us respond by just setting aside some time, making it a priority in our lives to spend uh, time alone in prayer with you? And we trust that you're going to bear fruit in us and through us and that you're going to bring glory to your name. We thank you and we praise you for that. And we pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.